You are now listening to the Purpose Edits Podcast. You gotta be willing to be vulnerable. You have to have the ability to self-assess, and not everybody has the ability to self-assess. You don't necessarily have to like sweets and successful in school. You just have to know how to play the game that's necessary and get through it. Welcome to the Perfect Status Podcast. This is a short yet powerful conversation designed to help you do three things that can ultimately change the trajectory of your life. One, discover your purpose. Two, walk in your purpose. And three, ultimately fulfill your purpose. I am your host, Coach Vic, and I'm joined as always by my lifelong friend, my brother, the educator, Dr. Shane Calhoun. What up, homie? How you doing today? Doing good, my brother. How's everything going on your end? Man, it's good. It's good. It's that time of the year where I get a lot of friends or a lot of enemies because of the weather. Everybody up north want to come visit, right? <laughs> Starting to get cold elsewhere. Now we say, hey, what you doing? <laughs> you can't come down here. <laughs> yeah, you know? it's been um, it's been chilly down here. I, it feels like it's been um, a little cooler than normal. But um, it's it's winter is definitely or fall is definitely here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can feel it. That that weather starting to change. And look, I don't know about you, but as old heads, my joints starting to ache when the weather changed. My knees getting tight. You know, I, can I ain't tell. claiming that yet, brother. I'm good. Man, <laughs> I, I ain't even gonna lie. My 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 knees, them two knee injuries from college, boy. They 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 remind me, hey, we still here. Yeah, We're kicking strong. Yeah, yeah. Hell. They don't let you. They don't let you get away from it. I mean, football. Tear, football is wear and tear on the body. Yeah. I mean, it's. I, I shoot. I ain't played nothing but high school football. I stopped at eleventh grade, and I swear there's the times when I feel the little bit of nicks and knacks I had. It, it's it, it wear and tears on the body, big time, bro. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Hey, uh, you know we we are trying to get into our or finish out our last quarter of episodes, and so. You know, we got a real good series of guests um, that we're going to get to talk to and interview with some real passionate topics, um, you know, today being one of them. You know, I want to kick this one off for our audience. Uh, we got a we got a special guest joining us um, who, when I tell you after this episode, you're going to say yourself, this is a real dynamic brother who who knows what he's talking about. Um, our, our guest today is, is Yamin Thomas, better known as Mean. Uh, he is the uh, founder or co-founder, me? Uh, co-founder. Co-founder of Whole Buy Technologies. Um, and I'm going to let him get into what the company has done because they are, from what I've seen and what I've heard me talk about, uh, revolutionized or in the process of revolutionizing fitness and, and how much control it gives uh, the users to produce their own results. Um one of the things that uh, I appreciate about about Mean is I've seen him from our days back in college at EKU. He is a graduate, um, and in this day and age, people don't give a whole lot of credit to having a degree, but that matters. Uh, he's a graduate from EKU. Uh, you reside in North Carolina right now. Uh, he and I were former teammates. Uh, and, and one of the things that is particular about this brother is he is one of my fraternity brothers, uh, the illustrious Omega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. Q-Dog, all right? All right. Mr. Yamin Thomas, welcome to the show, brother. How you doing, man? No, I'm doing well, man. I appreciate the invite. Great opportunity to be here and speak with you both this morning. Man, so glad to have you on, man. I've always seen you as a, a passionate brother from jump. Uh, you know, coming in, <laughs> coming in freshman year, you look, you look the biggest dude in the face, and, and and I believe you punched him when we was at practice, first practice. I believe that that went yeah. down. I can't remember, yeah. but that that's what come to mind. Yeah, yeah, I've got that fire. The fire was always there for sure. <laughs> I ain't mad at you. Well, look, let's before we dive into today's topic, Shane, you got to take us down that familiar path of what blew your mind. Yeah, so yesterday I was watching um, a football game. It's high school playoff football. I was watching it at the crib. And these two teams were playing. And it was a back and forth. There was no defense being played. So one team go down, they score. Next team go down, they score. So at about, uh, with about, uh, in the third quarter, uh, the team scores and they get up by one point. So the team, you thinking that they've been going back and forth. The other team is going to come back, score again. Well, 
they get a big run by a 40-yard run, get to about the 30, and then they go to do another running play and fumble the ball. And after the play was over, one of the linemen takes his helmet off and slams the helmet on the field. Big-time penalty. So now you done fumble the ball, and there's probably going to be a 20-yard penalty. Went on. That team never scored again and ended up losing that, the game by four touchdowns. Mm. And to me, what that showed was that when you or when we run into adversity, adversity is always going to bring out exactly who we are. I learned everything about the character of that team in that one moment where they fumbled the ball. And instead of galvanizing your guy, hey, man, we finna go down here, get a stop, get this ball back, go ahead, get back ahead. This knucklehead took his helmet off, slammed his helmet. I was just like, whoop, it's a wrap, bro. So adversity will always, and any kind of adversity is always going to reveal who you are, man. You know, I'm curious, how did the coaches respond in that moment, right? Because you think about a team of high school kids are heavily dependent on the leadership, which is the coaches. Well, I think the problem is not necessarily worrying about in that moment. I think is how are the coaches, what are the coaches doing up to that moment? Because me being a high school coach, my players are going to know that there's just certain things that you're just not going to do. And I understand here at the moment where I coach basketball, I understand, you know, technical fouls, but we're going to conduct ourselves a different way. And and I think because I have a familiarity with this team, the fact of the character really spoke out to me and, and that I just don't feel as though it had been checked before. So, you know, even as a coach in that moment, you got to pull it back and say, yo, that was stupid. You fuss at them let's get this back. We not out this game, but that was not evident because again, they got down by four touchdowns. Yeah. So if, if it was, if there was any kind of discipline or structure, even with the penalties and the mistake, you would have been able to fall through that to fight through yeah. that. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you've been a part of plenty of teams, coaches in that moment. What you think? You think the responsibility of, of galvanizing the team fell on the players or fell on the coaches? Yeah, I think with, with everything, with just any organization, it starts from the top top down, right? So the leadership that's been established by the coaches, the culture that's been established, expectations, the players are just exemplifying that. Every once in a while, you know, you have outliers, you have people who are high heads, who, who react on emotion. But uh, at EKU, I know Vic, after you ended up transitioning out um, of the program, when we had a new head coach, Dean Hood, uh, one of the things that he really preached was adversity means opportunity. Mm. So in that moment, you have an opportunity to decide, right? Will you react or will you, will you respond? I think you just used that word that you asked, how did the coaches respond? So a react is based off emotion, right? Response is something you actually think through. It's logical and you make sense of it. So um, it seemed, it was seen, like, I don't know anything about the team, the coaches, the location, any right. of those things, but it would seem as if that player's reaction, uh, Shane, as you mentioned, was something that has went unchecked in the past. And it's allowed to be a part of that culture. Mm-hmm. So, uh, which is unfortunate for those young guys like that, man, because they're learning early that, you know, uh, <laughs> lashing out is, is, it's not going to get you anywhere, but they're not getting, they're not being taught that. So yeah, it, yeah, just, my, it usually compounds the problem, don't it? Yeah. And my yeah. opinion completely changes if you don't lose by four touchdowns. You see what I'm yeah, saying? You look at it, if they win, then you're just like, oh, it just happened. It, it completely, or even if it if it stayed close, but the mm-hmm. fact that the 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 water, the boat fell. I mean, the bottom fell from under the boat. It just, it, to me, it just shows the mental makeup of that particular yeah. organization. So, yeah. you know, y'all and y'all talking about this, I think that that what blew your mind was so fitting for today's topic because in talking about passion versus purpose, you know, passion has a connotation that is associated and connected with emotions, you know, and in that moment, that was a a heated emotional moment, which we all know games can get that way. But the one thing that sports taught me and it probably taught all of us is it's real reflective of how life is. Mm -hmm. It'll be close. You'll be right there in that moment. And, uh, something to happen, right? Something bad happened and you got a reaction. You got a mm-hmm. responsibility to react and the people around you in your circle, hopefully they got a responsibility to mm-hmm. check you. Yeah. Right? 
look at where we are right now without digging too deep. Look at where we are right now as a society. I'm 36. This is adverse as I've ever seen. This is mm. also as divided and as crazy as I've ever seen things been. Like right now in, the, in our most adverse time. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's, this is a crazy time for all of us and unprecedented because at least our generation has never seen this. This is the stuff that we heard about from parents and grandparents yeah. or in history books, right? Yeah. But having to live it out is something totally different. Let, let me ask y'all this. And, and me, you brought this topic to us, right? Passion versus purpose. And I, and I love this. You know, when we talk with guests on our show, we often ask them to tell us what they're most passionate about. And mm. what you gave us is how what you're passionate about doesn't necessarily mean that's your purpose. And I thought that that, mm. was, that was extremely profound. Can you elaborate on this topic a bit? Yeah, um... I'll try not to go too far so we can have some context and discuss it here. No. <laughs> but uh, just kind of a high-level overview. Look at, like, um, let's just say I'm passionate about music, right? I'm passionate about music. Um, I love playing. I'm using, my, I'm using myself as an example. I used to uh, play the alto saxophone when I was younger. Not by choice, but because okay. music was a requirement in middle school, right? Okay. So let's just say, let's just say that... I always got by in music class with a C. I was never really good. I wasn't terrible, but I was just, you know, I was there. I was present, played the music, all those things. Let's just say that I fell in love with just that saxophone. But again, I'm never really good, but I'm not terrible. I'm just right in between, right? Now, because I enjoy my music, does that mean that I therefore should be a musician, right? Just because I enjoy it, it makes me feel good. I'm passionate about going to recitals, watching YouTube videos on how to become a better YouTube, a better alto sax player. Uh, because I enjoy it, right, does not necessarily mean that that is my calling in life. That doesn't mean that I am destined to be on Broadway or in a symphony or any type of large musical structure uh, presenting my lack of musical talent, really, right? Mm-hmm. Now, the flip of that is, let's say that I was... I was more so um, a person who is really big on giving, right? I'm really big on giving, taking care of people. Um, just I'm always a very selfless person. My purpose in life may align more so along with those character traits, right? Whatever that looks like, whatever your career path is in there, that might be more so what my alignment is and what my purpose in life is, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to be this world-known musician. It could just mean that I enjoy doing it. It's something that I do in my spare time, and it can be a hobby. But my purpose in life may be to serve people um, through, you know, Peace Corps or uh, whatever it here may be, right? Maybe I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a great accountant. My job is to, my purpose in life is to resurrect the, a failing company or something. But the, the, pur- the, my, the, the whole premise of it is passion doesn't equal purpose in life. Purpose is something that's divine, something that you're you're really put on this earth to do, not necessarily something that satisfies you or your ego or makes you feel good. Could you also frame it as your talent doesn't always equal your purpose? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I mean, you could be a talented backflipper. That doesn't mean you're going to be a gymnastics, right? Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I don't know if the, the next logical question, I don't know if Vic was going to go there. So if one has talent, in many different areas or in a specific area, how do you distinguish between that and actually finding your purpose or what was your journey in that and finding your purpose particularly? Yeah, man, you know, that is a, the, I think that's the question that will, that no one will ever have a concrete answer to. Um, so I'll just kind of answer loosely uh, for my own self. The, as, a, as someone who is a creative person, right? I'm a creative person, not an artist, but a creative thinker, right? I like to design things conceptually and see them through through actual turnkey solutions. Um, but that presents a problem because I do feel like I am a very talented person. I can switch gears, wear different hats, go in different industries, make impact. That kind of creates a jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none approach, right? Yeah, yeah. Versus where I think purpose for people who you're born to do this, right? You are born to be a veterinarian. You are born to be a political leader. You are born to be a doctor. You are born to be these certain things. That's a blessing to have that divine purpose already ingrained in you. And you have parents that nurture that process for you. That's a divine blessing to even receive that. And I think the majority of people 
don't have that path. Majority of people have kind of floated from different industries. They've done different things. They're trying to find their footing until they find something that resonates with them. Um, so for me personally, it, I did that. I went through um, healthcare. I went to logistics. I went through um, physical fitness. I went through consulting. And I never really found something that just really, oh, man, this is it. This is it. But I realized that what I was looking for was something to satisfy my ego, which would be something based on passion, right? Mm. Don't say, yo, you're passionate about this. You're so passionate about this. Well, the thing is that the passion is going to be there because it excites me, right? Yeah. Therefore, I'm going to exude passion. But that doesn't mean that that's necessarily my purpose in life. So gotcha. I think that it's trial and error, right? It's trial and error. But the path of least resistance is often, it often take you to, you know, in my opinion, what your purpose is. Things that you naturally are able to grasp quickly, things that you're naturally able to kind of execute on, things that you're able to consistently perform and show up for. I think those things are more so a purpose because passion is going to fluctuate. It's going to change, mm. right? What you're passionate about in your 20s, you get changed in your 30s. Change your 30s, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that purpose is you're always waking up for it. You're always showing up for it. You're always able to be disciplined and tell your friends no or go home or wake up early or do things you got to do to accomplish it. This is where, well, real quick, this is where my head went in terms of passion and, and purpose. You, you touched on a couple of things. You yourself went through a couple different jobs, opportunities, what, what have you to try to discover, you know, your try to align your passion and your purpose. And I think that that's all of us. The question is, which comes first? Does your passion get discovered? Because sometimes I think people stumble on what they're passionate about, you know, right. realize that this excites you. Uh, mm. And you also stumble on your purpose. So in helping someone discover their purpose, which comes first, passion or purpose? Uh, you know, I think it depends on the person. Again, I think it just depends on the person. I think you can you can stumble to a something that you're passionate about, and it could go one or two ways, right? It could either become something that really consumes you, and uh, you die full throttle into it, and you go all in, and you do well in it, right? But if that, does that mean that you missed your purpose in life and your calling? No, because in your mind, you feel like that's what you were here, that's what you were designed for. Mm -hmm. um, Versus where if you fall into your purpose first, I believe that when you fall into your purpose, you find passion within what you're doing because you show up for it every day. It's kind of, I mean, I'm not married, right? But let's, let's, let's speculate on that conversation piece. And if you're married, you know, your, your, your purpose, right? You, you, in your mind as a young man, you grew up, you knew you wanted a family. You knew you wanted to have a household, be the leader of a household, work this great job, do all these great things, right? And you wanted a wife. So in your mind, your purpose is, hey, accomplish the things that I need to accomplish as a, as a young man. And then I'm going to, I'm going to find my wife. God's going to bring me my wife. So you fulfill your purpose uh, on that personal marriage endeavor, right? Now, the things that come along with marriage is going to be just going to, it's going to be a challenge, right? It's going to be a challenge. It's, ugly truths are going to be revealed, right? But in that marriage, you're going to develop passion for each other, right? Because you both have invested so much energy. You've invested time. You've invested all these things, right? And then together you align your, that purpose and that, and that passion aligns, right? And now you both have created um, your own utopia and you're able to establish your purpose in life together. So in my mind, I look at it like a career where you're on an endeavor, you're trying to figure out where you fit, the things you do. You look at things you normally do, things you want to do in life. You get it. Does it doesn't feel right? Does it feel like something you can really grab, something you can, you can excel in? And if you can excel in it, then eventually you will develop some passion for it, right? To what degree is going to be determined, but you're able to take your purpose, fall into and, and emotionally fuel it with some passion along the way. So I think it's one of the things, man, where I really feel like purpose comes from self-understanding, um, understanding yourself, knowing your limitations as well as your capabilities. Um, and then that passion piece, I really feel like passion is what gets things started, but it doesn't keep it growing. It doesn't keep it moving forward. Let's do this. Let's talk about your journey up to this point. And the question at the end of that is, do you feel like you've unlocked your purpose right now at this point in your life? So give us your journey. Okay. Um, 
I just start from the EKU days, make it simple. Uh, so EKU came in, freshman, hothead. Uh, <laughs> so I came in, I was, I was ready to, 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 to put the boot down basically early. And I, I think it comes naturally um, for me, my personality, uh, my upbringing, growing up in, you know, the typical story, right? Inner city, lower income community. Um, and I just wanted a way out. Football, as well as academics, both could serve as those pilots to leave. It just so happened that football is what they gave me money for. Mm -hmm. So uh, getting EKU, um, my mother, she was in the movement back in the day. So Black Panther Party, baby. Uh, mm. My father's from Mississippi. He grew up picking cotton. You know what I mean? So what was that had, like? I'm I'm sorry. What was that like? Your yeah, mom as a Black Panther, like wow. You you know, um, it was empowering, man. It was empowering, and I think I know that what I do know. I've always said it, and I'm still when I was younger, and I say it now that if I could step into the role of being half the man that she is, woman that I will be okay in life. Because mm. the one thing that my mother instilled in me and all my sisters growing up is that regardless of your skin color, you are not inferior in any room. Mm. The only difference is, is that it's more of them in a the room that you'll probably be in and they had a little bit of a head start. But no one in this room is more talented than you. No one in this room is smarter or better or any of, any of those things. So I never stepped into any room believing that I was inferior. And that helped me a lot. And I think that also fueled that 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 fire you saw when I got to EKU, right? Because I'm like, I didn't believe that the guy who was in front of me who was starting on Saturdays was better than me. I didn't believe that anybody on that campus was a better was a better thinker than me, right? But the thing was that I had to learn how to channel that energy mm -hmm. into a productive way, right? I had to channel it into a more productive manner. But Shane, when he came in, when I tell you, we used to call him the tornado. He, <laughs> we were floating along. We had got into a groove, settled in, right? Every, really and truly, all the knuckleheads were somewhat corralled or, or no longer there. Now, me wasn't a knucklehead, but he had such a force that all of us was like, yeah. Like, bro, chill out. Like, <laughs> like we good. Like, chill, chill out. Like, ease into this. You know, you just showed up. Like, What, what yeah. year did you start? <laughs> Three huh? years oh, after yeah, me? Yeah. Um, I enrolled in 2006. So okay. Fall wow. 2006. Yeah. And the funny part is, even even another part of that story, as far as the, 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 the part of fire, right? Having passion and purpose is one of my, I felt one of my, one thing was my purpose at EKU. When I took my visit to Eastern, and um, the, what's that? That was, took a visit early part, like January, 2006, right? Uh -huh. One of the questions I asked on Canvas was like, hey, are there any fraternities? And I asked yeah. on the team guys, they was like, oh yeah, you know, you know, fraternities right now. At that time, I think it was just like the Sigmas and maybe um, the Kappas, maybe Vic, you would know, I, you were there before I was, but um, I was like, well, where the Q's at? You know what I'm saying? Where, where's Omega Sci-Fi at? It's like, oh, you know, right now they're not there. You know, we, we had them back in the day, all these things. So I'm like, okay. So I mean, I got back to uh, my high school in West Charlotte, um, out here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Shout out to the Lions. Uh, I had four coaches who were, who were bros, and I asked them. I said, "Yo, how do I charter a chapter at a school?" So they're like, "Yo, you know, we got you. You know, let us know this, that, and that." So I, when I enrolled that summer, when I got there that late summer uh, for summer camp, I saw Vic, and uh, Vic had on the paraphernalia. Maybe a couple of days after I got on campus, Vic had on the paraphernalia. And uh, I saw him in the locker room, didn't say anything. So the next day, we were passing through, like, in and out of meetings, watching film. I stopped, like, yo, like, I kind of hollered you right quick. He's like, yeah, what's up? Mind you, before this, we didn't have a conversation. On the visit, we, we, we had a good time. I do remember <laughs> like, that. Yeah. Right, right. But that day in the hallway is, like, my first time, like, yo, can I holler at you? And the first thing I asked him, I said, yo, I'm interested in Omega Sci-Fi. What do I need to do? So he's like, well, you need to do X, Y, Z, go do this research, that or that. So when he said it, I'm sure he probably felt like, all right, I'll probably see this dude two, three weeks. We in camp. I talked to him after camp. I came back to Vic, I think, in the next 48 hours. Like, yo, can I holler at you again? He's like, yo, what's up? So I told him, he's like, oh, okay, all right, all right. So after that, I just really, part of the story, just establishing, you know, my purpose and my passion. For me, yeah. I felt like. I had a purpose going to EKU from a fraternity side. Like I wanted to charter a chapter. It just so happened it was something already there, right? Yeah. Now I was passionate about the bros before because my cousins influenced my cousin across 2003, uh, Gamma Gamma down at Grambling State University. Uh, all my coaches in high school were Qs. So I was already imprinted with it. Yeah. Uh, so getting EKU, uh, 
it was it was an experience in itself. EKU is is sits in Richmond, Kentucky, twenty minutes south of Lexington, which is like they look at University of Kentucky as our big sister. Uh, so we kind of get in the in the foreshadow of of UK's uh, prestige and presence. But Richmond had a little charm of its own. You know, we made it where we made it for sure. Uh, Vic, I know you you know we we made it where we made it for sure. Yeah. You had to it was fun. a suitcase campus, you know. Absolutely. Every weekend people fly home uh or drive home because most drive. people stay within that two hour radius. And so for those who are in the on on campus in the weekends, you know, everyone's in pal trying to figure out what's the move for the night, what's the move? You know, so uh my time at EKU was spent really trying to find myself outside of like finding finding my identity outside of being an athlete, right? Yeah. Um I joined the BSU, Black Student Union. Um, I joined a couple of the leadership programs on campus. Nothing really resonated with me. The Black Student Union, I liked the idea of it, but unfortunately, the the, the people who are part of it weren't very progressive in my mind uh, gotcha. for what the things I felt needed to be accomplished. And the meetings I did go to, it was a very passive approach. Like It almost seemed like it was going through the motions, right? And I'm coming in here with, you know, like I said, a product of a Black Panther, so I'm coming in here like, yo, we need to take the system down, take the organization down, tear it down. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, it just <laughs> connected with me. They dropped a Black Panther, the son of a Black Panther, in Richmond, Kentucky. Yeah, exactly. Man, right next to West Virginia. So, <laughs> so uh, I think my ideas and my thought process might have been a little too radical at the time uh, of that organization. So. Uh, playing football, I think I, I got into it with a couple of different teammates because we had guys who were from, and this is a great time to have this conversation. We had guys who were from like deep parts of Florida and not Miami, right? We're mm. talking about Seminole County, areas that have traditional history of killing people of color, right? Running black people out of town. So we had those type of teammates who came in with Confederate flags, you know, and for mm. me, coming from the South, I see Confederate flag, yo, we got to talk right now. Do you know what you represent? You think it's pride, but do you know what this flag represents? So uh, the funny part is that in my class of 06, all my all the guys I came in with called me the Black Panther, like before the movie, all uh, that, because I was just so very radical. I was like, I was never anti-white, but I was right. just pro-black. pro-black. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people miss that. And, yeah. and it's not, it's not. It's not except it's it's never about being anti anything. It Absolutely. just seems as though anytime that you're pro black, there seems to be some kind of problem. Because yeah. that's, that's yeah. evidence of how divided we are as yeah. a society, as a people. You know, yeah. there there's there's a part of this that is primal because it's for survival instincts that we associate ourselves with a group, right? Yeah. That's what the caveman did. You protected yourself by being a part of a group because if you out there in no man's land by yourself, you're going to get ate up by a predator. So mm-hmm. you have to pick a side. But in that, that says the words behind the words is you're opposed to the other side, whatever mm-hmm. that may be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. whatever the opposition is. We have trouble as people discerning um, what is right, you know, with yeah. assumptions which are usually wrong. And that, and that's the reason why we have all the turmoil and drama and conflict that we've had, uh, you know, in our country's history and why we will probably continue to have it moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So but, t- um, keep telling us about your journey. And, and especially I want to hear about your business because what yeah, you have yeah, seen yeah. is it, amazing. Yeah, this, this is a great segue. So, um, like I said, finding myself outside of being an athlete, um, eventually ended up pledging Omega Sci-Fi in the spring of 2008. Um, and then at that time, I, I started getting introduced to different networks of people in the area, right? And one of the people I got introduced to was a fraternity brother of ours who graduated, well, who crossed 2005 at University of Kentucky. He did events, parties, and those type of things. I actually went to some of his parties before I crossed. And afterwards, him and I clicked up. And we began doing events, right? And we began doing parties all throughout the eastern and central part of Kentucky. Great turnout, all these things. And at that moment, I realized, yo, I'm passionate about people. I'm passionate about productions, right? I'm passionate about bringing people together. Uh, so I really enjoyed the party scene, the event planning scene. And I did that through the rest of my years before I graduated in 2011. Uh, I brought our company, Preve Marketing, to Charlotte, North Carolina. We had, we, we had locations in Charlotte, San Antonio, Texas, and uh, Lexington, Kentucky. So we were a little bit, you know, in three different in three different locations, doing events, having a good time. Uh, but 
From there, I transitioned into healthcare. Uh, so my family, we owned an in-home healthcare agency for about 12 years. It was, uh, you know, in-home med- Medicare, Medicaid care. So mm-hmm. CNA, PCA, RNs. Uh, so I worked in the healthcare industry for about four years. Then I transitioned into logistics for about two and a half, three years, still kind of in it a little bit. Dabble, I still have a few vehicles on the road. Um, but the the piece that transitioned from, and this is still like follow the passion piece of me enjoying like making people happy, right? Making people smile, making people sure to have a good time. So segue into the, my time in the logistics industry. It's a very tough industry being from a owner aspect of owning a fleet or even if you're driving, right? I didn't drive, never had interest in driving, but mm-hmm. the only piece was something I was doing. Required a lot of capital, a lot of time, a lot of networking. And I think even Vic, you and I had a conversation about, you know, what should I do? And you gave me some pointers and tips from your industry experience as well. So found out quickly that I wasn't passionate about per- about trucking and, <laughs> and I had no purpose to be in trucking because I didn't want to wake up and talk to brokers at 6 a.m., 7 a.m., get look, look through low board. I didn't want to do any of those things associated with logistics, right? Not by it, not, uh, not, not at all. Um, so I, I ended up getting into, I did like a bodybuilding show. And um, what I found out through that bodybuilding show was a lot about my body, a lot about, you know, being healthy, uh, dedication of time, resources, you know, a lot of things that are familiar from playing ball in, in, in school. And what I also found out is how expensive it is to take care of yourself, right? So we're talking about things of purchasing protein, um, running shoes, workout gear, uh, Fitbit trackers, massages, prehab mm-hmm. stretching, right? Um, gym memberships, hell, grocery shopping, right? Mm-hmm. All these things are adding up and, I started looking at the fact that, yo, I'm spending north of $200 easily each week in the grocery store, around $150 in the grocery store, right? Eating clean. Uh, so you got more produce, lean meats, organic type foods, the things that I look for. Um, so those costs started adding up associated with my gym memberships, with having to get protein. They say it's 30 servings in a, in a, in a jug of protein or, you know, usually 25 to 30 servings. But man, I tell you, I used to run through that thing in about two weeks. So, uh, <laughs> you know, different workout supplements. And I started going broke. I literally started going broke, man. And I had got to a point where uh, after my bodybuilding, me and my business partner, who became my business partner, we would have numerous conversations while working out. And he works a great job. He's a software engineer. And he was like, you know, he wasn't necessarily having the same pains I had from a financial standpoint, but the things that he was having, the conversation ended up showing some synergy where I'm like, hey, bro, like I enjoy us working out, but Things are really, these bills are really starting to add up. Costs are adding up, and I'm feeling like I'm going to, have to make a decision because I'm arriving to a point where it's either pay my bills on time, pay my rent, pay my phone bills, utility, all these things, or be able to take care of myself with eating the right foods, buying the right protein, supplements, taking care of my body massages, anything like that, mental health as well. Um, and for him, his thing was like, well, I'm not necessarily hurting for money, but I do like a good deal. And I spent a lot of time online looking for like deals before I check out. He's really big on Nike. So, you know, if you go on Nike, you got to, before you go to check out, you look for if there's a discount code somewhere. And he's like, I'm spending a lot of time looking for like discount codes and checkouts or any kind of special offers that Nike is running. So at that time, man, I felt personally that there was no person in America, let alone the world, that should have to choose between their health and paying bills and and that was a big problem for me right and it was a big problem for other people because a lot of people we live in a society where you know social media broadcasts in your face be healthy go to the gym stay fit but they don't talk about the costs that are associated with it right and those things add up for if you're a recent college grad if you're hell you're a middle-class american yeah and middle class meaning anywhere from that forty thousand dollar range up to you know according to biden's new tax plan should he you know win his presidential election four hundred thousand and under if you have a family a mortgage bills those extra dollars have to go towards things that matter the most to you and if most people the truth is most people if they have to bargain somewhere they usually bargain on themselves right i'll get to it later i'll take care of it later but your body doesn't wait for later. Your body needs it now, right? So that produced the the conceptual idea of streamlining health, fitness, and wellness journeys, right, um, to the end products of those products and services that are needed to continue that journey at, at an affordable cost. So that was like just a thought. 
It was very fragmented. Um, the health, wellness, and fitness industry is very fragmented. It call, takes a lot of steps for you to identify your products and services you need, identify those. If you're looking for discounts to, to find websites or leads that, that are able to source those things, um, it's just a very siloed industry. So it created a lot of steps. The the costs associated with it, it felt like an offset based on health as well, right? That's what they, they market it, but that's really – a, a tagline for me to be able to charge you $80 for this service is really not, or product for this search for this product or service is really not that true value. Right. And, um, the, the passion for me kicked in when I realized how many people are affected by this problem, but more importantly, my people, right. How my people are affected by it because black men in particular have a stigma of not wanting to go to the doctor. Right. That is a big yeah. thing. We fear the doctor. We don't want to go to the doctor. Um, and it's not always because we don't have health insurance. A lot of it is because we feel like we're just okay, right? Oh, I go work out, I'm good. But are you truly taking care of your body, right? And these things kind of coupled up for me. And the purpose part kicked in for me within Holby is, um, so just to, so everyone knows, Holby is a health, fitness, wellness app that rewards users with digital currency for completing workouts. So whether it's you're using our on-demand fitness classes, whether you're using workouts from our, our library, whether you're you're doing uh, fitness meetup groups, or if you're working out at a partner gym of ours, you earn digital currency, which allows you to unlock and purchase rewards in our marketplace to vendors who are in the health, fitness, and wellness industry. So we just siloed the whole process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we took down the silo wall, we took down the fragmentation of it, and we streamlined that entire process. What was so, the name of the app and what was the name of your business? Yeah, so Holbot is the name of the app. It'll be available in the Google Play Store, Apple Market, January 1, 2021. And the company itself, the parent company, is Holbot Technologies. Uh, so Holbot, uh, you can look on the store, Holbot will be what you find it under. So, so if I'm understanding correctly, like, so let's go back to that moment you said you're talking with, you know, the guy you were working out with and you're like, you know, I'm, I'm trying, I have this goal, I'm trying to work out stuff is getting expensive he's yep. telling you how much he's looking for scanning for codes and discounts to try to minimize some of that cost your app has mirrored those two you work yes. out and now it's also helping you to find discounts to make this uh journey more affordable absolutely exactly right wow. yeah awesome. how was the app creation process like um i got a wild idea about a year ago that i wanted to create an app and I realized that it was way above my pay grade <laughs> and, and took a little bit more thought. How was that? How was that process like? Cause that sounds, you know, hearing it on this side, every time I told somebody I wanted to create an app, they was like, you want to do what? So that just yeah. seems like a big deal to me. So how was that process? Yeah, man. You know, it's I'm trying to be the, the best way to say it. The best way to say it is it is, um, intensive it's intensive it takes a lot of discipline a lot of dedication and thankfully my business partner has all those traits right he's so he, very like he's a software engineer so he's ah, the so he's doing the, the code. Code. yeah yeah so code. yeah the the fun part about it man and i i'd say with anybody thing when you're creating something and you know tbd on how large we grow this thing we have a vision in mind of how the imprint we want to make on the world um and it's on us to take it there but the thing about finding a partner, right, is the same thing we mentioned earlier, right, marriage-wise. You find somebody that complements your skill sets, right? Mm-hmm. So the things, you're, the things that you might lack in or have areas of opportunity for improvement, they already complement and they're already strong in. So on my end, I'm creative. I'm able to engage people. I'm able to, you know, um, work a room, corral. People thought I was a politician for the longest for some reason. But <laughs> he's on a more so technical side, right? He is all cold, he's locked in, he's wake up at the same time, go sleep at the same time, build, build, build. And that works for us. So from a, a non-technical person's aspect is you have an idea, you tell the engineer or the tech person your idea, and it's their job to make your idea a I'm operational and functional reality, right? Like mm-hmm. this is this is what it looks like to get there, this is how much it costs for us to get there, and this is what it's gonna look like functionality-wise. And then the other pieces like, you know, interface, how the app looks, how it functions, all those things matter the most. But from a, a tech piece, it is literally, a, it's, I say it's a gift and it's an honor for me to be able to work with him and have him as my partner because he is, he's, he's very studious. He's, he's always continuing to learn. 
He was very open-minded to pushing the envelope uh, from a tech side or even from a business aspect. So it helps this process where I may get really big idea, right? Like, hey, man, let's do this. He's like, okay, okay. How about we scale it down a little bit, right, to where it's, <laughs> it's something that's realistic. But let's keep that in mind for later when we have more funds available to build more technology around that. So that that's works. Shame. That's how that works. Man. That's what? shame. That's Shane. I come to Shane all the time with ideas, and Shane just just knock them down. Just hey, 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 let's let's scale that. How about this idea right here? Yeah. Well, there's there's value in both, and and Absolutely. what 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 I what I find what sticks out to me, and it's a, it's something that I've been wrestling with lately, is at the beginning of the podcast we had this philosophy of there's many bread, there's a lot of different bread on the bread aisle. But right. now I'm more in a space of group economics. And as you say yep. it, find somebody that balances out your your weaknesses and you mesh them together and it, and, yep. and it works out great. Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah. So at, at this point right now, Holbot, the app, is it live or did you say it's going to be live in January 1? Yep, January 1, 2021, it will be available for download um, on Google, Play Store, and Apple. So both 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 platforms, iOS and Android. So what is, you said you had a, a plan without giving away too much information. What is your, as Vic would call it, your big goal for the app? Yeah, so our big goal, um, so it's, it's two-part goal. Like the, they, they, they go hand-in-hand, hand, all right? Our mission is to be the world's leading commerce platform for health, fitness, and wellness products, purchases, services. But the bigger plan, right, the bigger plan for us is to attack and basically do our part in, in alleviating world hunger. So what we've, what we've done is we've taken like a, a Robin Hood mentality where, mm. where you are able to, you, we've, we've, we've chosen our careers, paths in life, and we're able to have what we have so far, right? We're able to work out, have gym memberships, eat how we choose to eat, right? So if you're a whole by app user, now you're able to do all these things you already enjoy doing on your day to day. But the great part is that when you're in the marketplace and you make a transaction, a piece of the digital currency that you use to make the transaction, we now use that to convert and donate to local community gardens in areas of communities that are deemed food deserts. So the where I grew up at was a food desert. We didn't have any fresh produce. It was fast food, McDonald's, Burger King, uh, Chinese restaurants, and Jamaican restaurants. Nothing so. that... Yeah, nothing that is beneficial to the body, right? So <laughs> our goal is to donate the, the fresh produce, meaning veggies, um, fruits, things like that, things that are good for your body, right, to these communities that are deemed food deserts to help alleviate type 2 diabetes or to fight against type 2 diabetes, cardiovascular disease, which consists of also high blood pressure, and obesity. So that's our goal from that aspect. And it just so happens that the synergy is there where we're able to fight obesity because a, a huge barrier to becoming fit is cost, right? It costs a lot to be healthy. It's, it's cheaper to go to McDonald's and buy a McDouble mm -hmm. than it is to go to mm -hmm. a Panera Bread and buy mm -hmm. a Chipotle chicken avocado, right? I just plugged Panera Bread. Now we'll have to partner with them. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. So Hey, Panera, so, y'all heard that. Yeah, Panera, you heard it. We're coming for you. So uh, it's a lot easier and cheaper to, to be unhealthy than what it is to be healthy. So we want to help the world become healthy, help the world become whole, right? Being whole starts now is, is, is really like our, our tagline. Being whole starts now. You know, yeah. listening to your journey and how you came into whole by, it sounded like the answer to my question earlier was that you discovered your passion before you discovered your purpose. Yeah, my passion is people. Yep. Passion is people. Now, when you think about when you think about trying to help somebody unlock their purpose, yep. is this a solo project or is it a collaborative project? As far as unlocking your pro as far as unlocking your yeah, because I I think about hearing your journey and I think about our journeys and talking to you know other people along the way. None of us got to where we are. And I guess, you know, giving away my thought, I think it's a co-op. None mm. of us got to where we are without getting something from, you know, somebody who helped us, right? You know, whether it be parents, our social circles, we, you know, have a temporary time in working out or working with someone and they they inspire us to, to do some things or choose a path that lo and behold ends up being our purpose and we are passionate about it. But curious on you guys' thoughts, 
is it the responsibility of the individual to unlock their passion and purpose or is that the responsibility of the community you know it takes a village to raise a child if you will yeah um i guess i'll I'll just respond quickly i think it, it does truly take a village i know that for me um the part of my my people serving right is my mother's background is social is social work right so she was a case manager she owned her own business working with um communities of hiv aids domestic violence abuse sexual abuse so she's always served people and i used to go with her on these visits to help people right so i saw that growing up and for me uh the passion for people set in early i didn't know to what capacity i wanted to serve people mm-hmm. um so you know the parties satisfied the passion right of making people happy the healthcare piece it satisfied the passion of knowing i'm serving people i might not see them because i was in the office but i know that what we're doing is serving people logistics did not serve purpose or passion for me now couple that with this right here is passion is again i'm able to serve people on a broader scale due to technology right now we're able to touch people from coast to coast, from globe to globe, right? All all around. And the purpose set in is that the purpose for me um, hit home with the the local community gardens because I remember what it was like growing up eating ramen noodles. I don't eat ramen noodles to this day anymore because there was a time where that's all we had. I don't Mm -hmm. eat baked beans because at one time that's all we had. I don't Mm -hmm. eat carabas because at one time when my sister worked at carabas, that's all we could eat, right? It was a time when my mother was, she was sick, she couldn't work, and my sister had to do what she could to help us, you know, survive. Mm -hmm. So I remember those times, and I know that my story of that little bit of that little year of struggle is is minute compared to those who grew up in that day in, day out, right? So my purpose aligned with my, my, my passion for people aligned with my purpose for serving people and obtaining health, Like, I understand the importance of health. My father is 79. He works out four times a week now, still. My my mother is 68, 60, she just turned 68, 67. I'm sorry, I'm putting a year on her. Uh, And she still works out actively, right? So I understand the importance of health, man. So passion is something, again, I think that you have. It's in you. You, 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 It kind of changes as you grow. But that purpose is something that the village does nurture but it's on you to step into it. It's on you to step into your, it's on you to step into your purpose. They can give you the tools to succeed, the tools to stand on the platform, but you got to be unafraid to step into that calling. Hmm. Um, you raised this question when, when we were talking about this topic. Um, you know, Initially, you talked about how just because you're passionate about something doesn't mean that that's your purpose and vice versa. But what you raised is how can you potentially pursue both? Mm-hmm. Have you figured that piece out? I haven't, man. And the day I do, I'm going to write a book about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we're going to join you. Yeah, the, oh. day, the day I figure out the, the the six steps to aligning passion and purpose, I might go on New York and Amazon's bestseller list. Hearing you speak when you talk about passion and purpose, I think I figured out what it isn't. And too many times people align passion and person to purpose to money. Mm. Mm. You feel me? Like, yep. I'm going to go do this because this is where I'm going to make the, um, the most money. But you're literally, it, it's not it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it's not it because you're, you're, you, you've lost scope of your passion. Your purpose no longer becomes that thing that you do. It becomes that check that you get at the end of the day. Hmm. Um, so if I play devil's advocate real quick, just for fun, okay. what happens when your purpose and passion results in a paycheck that you enjoy. Is that okay to feel the, the happiness behind it? That's or, okay. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead. That, or is it where you look into the money aspect of it first, right? Let's just say, let's just use Uber as example, right? Okay. I'm sure I'm quite sure Travis Kalanick did not have a purpose and passion for transporting people in an efficient amount of time for the cheapest cost. I'm quite sure he didn't grow up thinking that I'm going to do these things. I think that, he saw opportunity, right? He saw a problem, right? And maybe he faced some of his friends face and he created a, a better solution for a problem that was already being solved by like Lyft, right? He solved it for, uh, in a better approach. He made the money from it. But what happens when 
that he steps into it for the money, but it becomes his passion, right? I, you said it's, it's not money, but what happens when it becomes his passion? I would argue that it wasn't the, the, the passion of it never started with the money. I think the difference in that particular example was the idea was to help people. It wasn't, I'm going to do this to go get the money. Like right now you got people that's getting into the industry simply because they think it's a quick buck. Mm-hmm. simply because it's a quick way to get the dollar or they see that it has generated funds over here. So mm-hmm. I, I think um, if you're chasing it, you're chasing a passion to meet a need and it generates money. Cool. But what mm-hmm. I think is a slippery slope is when you're chasing money and that's the sole goal. I mean, I, I think it can work both ways, but you, does that make any sense of what I'm here's, saying? Here's what I think. I think you, it is okay to make money off of your passion and a purpose when they're aligned. 100%. In that example you gave, right. it started out solving a need. Solving when, a need. That was the core of it. It was, he right. saw a problem. He saw an opportunity to do it better because he was a forward thinker and said, you know what? I'm about to get real passionate to fix this. And then what ends up happening as a byproduct is- As a byproduct. Make a lot of money off exactly. of it. Exactly. Like, oh, snap. Where I think the- uh, the story doesn't end right there. And what ends up tripping people up is along the way, and you hear people say this all the time, I lost perspective on why mm-hmm. I started this in the first place. Exactly. They focusing yep. on the money and they start making bad decisions. Yeah. You know, yep. and that's, that's whether yep. you're, you know, the CEO of Uber or, you know, you, you own a smaller, you know, small business that you're growing. Like it's up to, each person and all of us to stay focused on what's most important. The reason why we did it, that purpose and that mm-hmm. passion. Absolutely. And, and mm. to, and to your, to your point earlier, when you said your talent or your passion, isn't always your purpose. There are many people that are very talented and passionate, uh, talented and passionate in things. And they stick to those things because it's comfortable or it provides mm-hmm. that financial padding. And there that's where it was going as there opposed go. to getting off that, what they say, get off the boat so you can walk on yeah. water and yeah. going yeah. the yeah. other way. You know what I'm that's saying? Yeah. No, yeah, and right. that's, that's yeah. what it was where I was saying yeah. that money sometimes just will cause somebody to um, lose focus of what they're truly here to do. Yeah. You know what, man, you know, Vic, you, you said something a second ago that, that resonates heavy with the stage that we're currently in with whole biotechnologies. And that is like the idea of establishing a site, right? We have as last year, this is last year, man, with me and with my business partner, Quincy Smith, when we were putting together, you know, whole by what it looks like. One of the things that we created early was company culture. Right. And we did this from the idea of manifestation, right? We're manifesting what this, what a day-to-day looks like at Whole Biotechnologies, right? We're not just going to sit around and wish for it and think about it. We're going to write it down. We're going to hold ourselves accountable for it. We're going to make the right hires. We're going to make some missteps along the way too. But the point being is that some uh, the part where we're at, man, is that we don't want to collaborate, right, with businesses or people in our organization who are in it just to make money, right? Mm-hmm. Something that we're really big on is who do you serve? Who does your business serve? Who do you serve as a person? And when I say who do you serve as a person, meaning do you serve for yourself? If you serve yourself, you won't be a good fit for Whole because we work for other people, right? We work for our users. We work for our, our clients who are our merchants. We work for them because our goal is to get their products and services into our users' hands for them to live at a more affordable cost so they can do the things that they want to do. Right now they have some discretionary income to buy that new piece of furniture that they wanted or buy that TV or, yeah. or, or whatever, what, what be ye, right? So a big thing for us right now is important for us to stay grounded and to always re- be able to have a place to come back to to ground ourselves should we ever get ahead of ourselves, right? Remember why we're doing it. We're doing it to serve people and to help people become healthier, full 360, right? And I think that, to to the, to your point, Shane, with the the Uber the Uber piece is that he did see opportunity to do it better than Lyft. But I think that the reason why <laughs> we're not going to say think we understand from the article the reason why he got ousted and Lyft is going to continue moving forward is because he lost sight of it. So he mm. created a toxic culture. 
he started moving based on shareholders. I and need dollars, to make sure yeah. his return, equity, equity. So he created a very toxic environment, right? Yeah, it is. It was, it was articles where he was, you know, bashing the 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 management for not scolding drivers. Mm-hmm. So what happens? You create toxic culture, and I mean, he he cashed out, right? He still cashed out, but look at the legacy that's attached to him. Yeah. So what matters more to you, legacy or dollars? For me, legacy, because my child, my, my future children are going to be products of that legacy, right? My family, my, my people who I choose to associate with, people I call friends, they're going to be a part of that legacy. So I think it is important, like you got, both you guys said, and I'm 100% agreeing with, is that it's okay if you make money while serving and pursuing your passion and pursuing your purpose in life. Yeah. If those 100%. things align and you make money, then so be it because you can't do it for free. Hundred percent. You can't do it for free unless you're an artist who has unlimited access to things <laughs> that you just get all the time. But um, yeah, man, it's 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 a process. It's a process. But like I said, Shane, the moment I figure out those six steps to aligning passion and process, passion mm-hmm. and process, uh, and and man, passion and purpose, we'll collaborate. Yeah, well, you know, I think we all know it. The beauty of it is that it would look different from person to person. Like, we could get together on a project and my six steps would be mm-hmm. different from your six steps, would be different from Vic's six steps. So, um, and, and that's the beauty. I think life is a lot more art than science. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's free-flowing. It's free-flowing. Yeah. And there's Absolutely. so many situations that you have to be situationally aware how to navigate. And a lot of times, miss most people missed up because they're not secure in their own self-awareness, their own identity, and they lose sight of the overarching scope. We might not be able to pinpoint the six steps, but I do think that we could call attention to the ingredients to aligning your passion and purpose. And when I say ingredients, things that come to mind as I was listening to y'all talk a little bit, me, you just said the culture of whole by and what triggered in my mind was daily plan, right? You said mm-hmm. having a plan every day for what we're going to do. And that's yes. whether you're running a business or you're just a Joe Schmo. Yeah, yeah, in life, having a plan. Something else, uh, an ingredient, I think, to aligning your passion and purpose, you have a culture of execution. Right. Finish. There's a lot of people who lack that piece of it because you can have a plan for the day, but if it don't matter that you executed that plan that day, then it was all for nothing. You may as well had not planned anything. And I think something we've touched on already too is perspective. And Shane, you and I have talked about this, Mm -hmm. what you keep your eyes on. And we've touched on this now about, you know, purpose, purpose serves others. It's meant to serve others. And we've said that on this show in previous episodes, that purpose for anybody is meant to serve others. That is the unifying piece that we are lacking collectively in our yep. small circles and small communities and in the larger collective. Our purposes, we don't focus them on serving others and staying there. That's why we're so fragmented. Yep. Yep. Um, no, I, I agree. Pas- I mean, purpose is definitely serving other people. Passion, is, again, like I said, I, think, I feel like passion is something that serves yourself. It serves, it, ser- it, it satisfies you. Exactly, and if it's a situation where you can satisfy yourself while serving other people, passion and purpose is aligned, right? Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and so that's a beautiful thing. But I, I got a question. This is this is a little bit off topic, but Go for it. the the part this this alarming to me, man, and I'm beginning to learn more and more about this because I am now in the tech space is the biases that are being programmed into algorithms and AI. So now we go from a racist white man to a fucking racist robot, right? Or a racist algorithm. And it's been, it's been known that even from things that they use, like fast class software, right? When you source your, your resume, there's certain things they look for uh, name affiliation wise that automatically disqualifies you from consideration, right? They, they can have these things programmed in there. There's, uh, there was a TED talk a couple of years ago about software and facial recognition, right? How it targets people of color mostly black people. So there are, there's, there's racism, bigotry, right? Mindset from people who are building these systems and these pilots, this programming, these things. And another thing that bothered me from a health, fitness, and wellness industry standpoint is how divided it is, right? Like, look, look at the fraternity, bro. Look at, look at the fraternity. 
when things happen, when when uh, when when the trends start happening, when, when people start wearing skinny jeans in the real world, we start seeing bros wear skinny. We're like, oh, cues don't do that. But no, what we're seeing is our world is this big compared to the world, right? Mm-hmm. It just so happens that because we the cues is magnified, mm-hmm. and it's the same thing when we look at when I go into a fitness studio where it's two or three black people in there, and it's all these white folks in here, right? And this is like, yo. Why isn't there more black people? This is a great facility. It's great equipment, all these things. But people just tend to always gravitate toward people who they look like. You know, they say that the one drug that can unify the whole world is weed, right? Simply because everyone smokes it. My position is health, fitness, and wellness is the one thing that unifies people as well. We all yes. want to be healthy. healthy. We all want to work out. Live so, a long time. Yeah. Let's break down these barriers, right? And if fitness is what unifies us in that, in, in that lane, then let's let's use that right let's use that unity to do something for others right so it's trust why i say it's, it's the robin hood effect right it's take from those take take use what you have to give to someone else yeah right while still being able to do things that you enjoy doing and i think man that the thing the blessing the blessing for me and and what we're doing with whole by is that i'm not a personal trainer quincy's not a personal trainer um, we didn't work in the, in this industry for years on top of years. So we didn't come into this with limitations, right? We didn't come into it with like, oh, this will never work because statistically speaking, da, 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 right. We came into it. Like there are no limitations, right? We can do anything. We, we, we can create anything that's going to be realistic. It's going to be scalable. It's going to benefit our end users. And it's the same thing that guys did with, with like Jack Dorsey when he did it with Twitter or he did it with Square, no one felt like it was a problem with using credit cards, right? But artists who sold their art and people didn't have cash, they needed a way to still make money. So let me make a, a software where you can pay me right here on the spot digitally, right? So when you don't think without limitations and you don't have industry experience, quote unquote, I like to call them industry restraints, now you're able to think on a global scale to disrupt. Yeah. And that should always be the goal when you're building something to that's going to serve people from coast to coast. You have yeah. to think of disruption. You have to. Yeah. Don't, for our audience, take from that, not only within what you're building in terms of discovering your purpose, but even within yourself. Yeah. Be comfortable with the concept of disrupting the construct, disrupting Absolutely. the norm, and then you'll be able to align your passion and your purpose. Absolutely. Yep. Let's do this, man. Let's close out this show, man. This has been a great conversation. What we like to do, uh, mean, is share a quote. And I'd love to hear how it might resonate with you um, and, and, and where you see that helping someone. The quote comes from Jay Shelby, who's a, a public speaker. If you, ever, if you haven't heard of him, check him out on uh, YouTube. He's a guy that I listen to. Uh, has a lot of good information around leadership and purpose. His quote says, your passion is for you and your purpose is for others. When you use your passion in the service of others, it becomes your purpose. When you use your passion in the service of others, it becomes your purpose. I think that that aligns a lot with what we've been talking about now and the point that we want to drive home for our audience. In taking that quote mean and maybe looking at some of the advice that you've given others who are trying to find their purpose, what is that last piece of tidbit you would give people? Find a way to serve people. That's 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 it. That's the premise yeah. of it. find a way to serve people. Yeah. And in that you'll probably find your purpose and possibly even make a whole lot of money and a, a whole nother lifestyle for yourself and your legacy. So yeah. as always, man, me and we appreciate you coming on the show, man. Great conversation. It's great with yes, you with whole by give the group, the audience again where they can find. Uh, the app and, and where you want them to go. Yeah, so you can find it on the Google Play Store as well as the Apple Market come January 1, 2021. Whole Buy app is an app that rewards users with digital currency for completing workouts which you can then redeem to purchase, unlock rewards and purchase them in our marketplace. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Whole Buy app uh, or you can follow us on Twitter, same handle, uh, Facebook, Whole Buy Technologies, and our website is thewholebuy.com. That's what's up, man. As always, thank you for ro- rocking with us, Purpose Addicts. At the end of the day, go live life on purpose. We out. Peace. All right. Peace.
I'm running full speed. 